श्री गुरु परंपरा की जय so it's a great honor to be here to be hosted here by grace of bob and uh, to be visited upon by those of you who have gathered this evening some of whom have followed me here and know me to some extent some faces are obviously new and i'm new to you so it's a honored to make your acquaintance um, for such an occasion, some discussion about spiritual life. Hmm? <laughs> and um, where where shall we begin? Uh, uh, yoga, yoga is a good, maybe place to begin. It's a popular spiritual discipline. And as was mentioned in the introduction, there are different kinds of yogas, many I'm sure are familiar with. <clears throat> but um, they all have very much in common. And I think that they are yoga systems, if you will, yoga disciplines. Yoga, of course, it comes from the Sanskrit word yuj, which means to, to link, to connect. So, in effect, it's really about, um, in one sense, adding something to your life, kind of uh, value-added lifestyle, really would be a way to think about it, perhaps. Value-added because um, it's really essentially about that which is Valuable, or that which that which matters, <clears throat> and I think that um, there's different ways to talk about that. Um, that which matters, for example, uh, it's becoming more apparent to people in the world today that health matters. I say that because some of you are have been around like me for a while, and it didn't always used to be as prominent of a preoccupation. Of the uh, of the people in general, as it is today, as as common sense <laughs> as it is. <clears throat> so, health of our physical and psychological physio psychological sense of self is a uh, is something that matters. Hmm? That's just kind of common sense, which is. I guess, as I'm saying, is not that common. Uh, what today we 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 take as common sense, and years gone by, didn't make sense, and that will be true for the future, of course, as well. Hmm. Even what makes much sense to us may be seen as much confusion in the future. So, such is the way of the world. But it's hard to get around this one, I think. Health. That's, uh, it matters. Hmm? So health of the body matters. Health of the our, our psychology, our mind matters. They certainly go together. You don't want to have them on different uh, wavelengths, so to speak. And so yoga is largely, as you know, uh, thought of probably by most people in the world as something about health and approach to being healthy or a healthy lifestyle. And it is indeed 
a more of a, a lifestyle, I think, than a practice, or I think, better put, perhaps, there's not much meaning to the practice of yoga if it is not part of a lifestyle. If, if it's about, as it is in many respects, to use a generic term, sitting, um, it is as much about walking. Hmm? How we walk will determine our ability to, to sit. Hmm? And how we sit should determine something about how we walk or how we move in the world. How, what is our lifestyle, in other words? Maybe a practice to sit, but most people, they can't sit all the time hmm? because they feel they have things to do. And, and, and they do given their condition, their desires, their wants, if you will. They animate us, and uh, so we have some walking to do, hmm, if you will. Uh, but how we walk in relation to those desires, that um, will determine something about how we, we sit and how we sit, how we, how we walk and so forth. Um, and so, with regard to lifestyle, I mean, health is, I want to look at it as something personal, as part of a lifestyle too, but in an extended sense, I think we, in the yogic community, we, we, we tend to think about the health of the community, of the planet. Uh, we tend to be uh, environmentally sensitive and sensible uh, in as much as we do the math and we figure, well, you know, on the one hand, the resources are limited, and why are they limited? One might argue with that, that the resources might not be limited. We could frack, you know, the planet or something, you know. There's different ways to tap into different energies. There's the sun, for that matter. You know, I mean, of course, we... we we solar energy's been around for a while, but the sun's been there longer, and, and it's got a lot of power. And so, arguably, there is a there are ways to find new resources, and the resources um, won't run out. So one environmental point of view is to is to, if you will, is to is to uh, find more resources so that we can continue to pursue the same desires. Hmm? Now the problem here is, what, what the point I'm making, coming to, is that however uh, clever we are, hmm? and insightful, ingenious, and, and, and um, resourceful we are as humans in pursuing the, resor- the natural resources, in alternative ways that will be less of a burden, at least for a while. You know, if you take so much oil and so forth, it might be a problem after a while. Well, it might be a problem if you take too much sun after a while. Who knows? You know, the sun is going to burn out. So some point in time, people are going to be saying, we've got to find an alternative resource here. The sun is burning out. Um, so one approach to the environmental issue is to find other, as a lifestyle, and as a, as a, a sensibility and an ethical and a moral kind of a, you know, uh, dynamic ethic 
ethical, you know, yama niyama is the beginning of astanga yoga. You've got to have some ethical principle on which your yoga and your life, your spiritual life, as I say, it's a lifestyle, really, is based. So, um, and uh, so, environmental sensibilities, health of the planet. Okay, so, anyway, point being what? However creative we might be, and we can be pretty creative and resourceful in finding more natural resources, as long as, and this is the point, they are used hmm, for the purpose of fulfilling, pursuing, and encouraging the material desire, the desire that makes us have to walk in the first place. You understand? And doesn't enable us to sit because we've got, oh, something to do. I've got... In other words, if you have no desire, you don't have to move. Hmm? As soon as there's a desire, you have to move. As soon as you have to move, well, there's some trouble. <laughs> uh, you have to exert some some energy and, and, and so forth. So there are some thinkers in some systems of yoga that reach this conclusion. I want to go there and I want to go beyond it. If, if you... Uh, stay with me on this. Go beyond what? Go there and beyond what? There what? The idea that desire hmm, is the problem. This is the Buddha's formula, right? That the world is about suffering and what fuels it is the thirst hmm, or the desire for for things. And so as much as we have those desires, we can't sit and be peaceful. We have to move and when we move... We move to fulfill desires, which means we we move to take. Hmm? So when we take, we're not giving, and we are not the the perfection of yoga, if you will, which is to be a lover from the bhakti perspective, because love is about giving, not about taking. Hmm? So we want to go beyond that. That's a good idea. Desires are problems. There's a, maybe a way to work with them and so forth. But with regard to a lifestyle, and Lana was saying, talking about health and, and the environment and so forth, as long as we look for more resources, but as long as the what we're looking for in acquiring the resources is for the purpose of fulfilling desires, hmm, you can be sure that the desires... And the resources, if you put them on a scale, the desires will always outweigh the resources. Hmm? There are two different things here. There's resources, natural resources, things hmm, of the world. And then there's us, if you will, a unit of desiring capacity. Things don't desire, we desire things. That's our confusion. Hmm? We think that by getting things, our position will be enhanced, but we're not a thing. Things don't desire. You understand? Of course. We desire. We're not a thing. Hmm? When we desire things, we're desiring something (laughs) that's different than ourselves in the pursuit of the fulfillment of ourselves, but they're categorically different from ourselves and they will never fulfill us and so the desires will never end, so to speak. 
If we pursue whatever alternatives of material resources for the purpose of continuing our materially desiring lives, if you will, those desires will never run out. The sun will burn out, but you won't burn out, is the point. You won't end, because, and I say that we are units of desiring capacity, and things don't have desires, experiences, and they're different thereby. When I say that, I'm also saying the implication of that is we're not a thing, and all things are constrained by time and space. All things. Hmm? Even the sun will, has its time, right? It will burn out. Our bodies, the buildings, so on and so forth. All things. Well, it's our experience. They come and they're gone. They're here today, they're gone tomorrow. They last a little longer than our experiences in the dream state. So we give them a little more credence because they last a little longer, but not very long in the longer picture, if you will, even materially speaking, of time. Hmm? So, if we're not a thing, if we are consciousness hmm, and not matter, hmm, then while the sun will burn out at some point, we won't, and we'll go on desiring (laughs) in relation to things, unless we have really understood and applied ourselves in yoga, which, as I began, is about what matters. And while health matters, while the planet matters, the health of the planet matters, the health of our body and mind matter, hmm, properly understood, the yogic lifestyle hmm, thinks or conceives of these things as mattering, our health mattering, our mind mattering, the world mattering, in in the context of a greater concern, hmm? a greater value, hmm? something that matters more. And it's us. And we are not the world, in a sense. We are not matter. And we are not, therefore, the body. We are not the mind. We're not American or Indian or man or woman. Neti, neti, it is said, not this, not that, not this, not that in the Upanishads. What's it speaking about? What we are. What can be said about it? You're not this. You're not that. Why does it say that? Because everything that we're, that are in the range of our present experience is things. We're not a thing. We're not like anything. So how will we define what we are if we're not like anything? We have no thing to compare it to, to define it. Hmm? Things are com- defined by way of comparison to other things. Hmm? That's how we get a focus on them. But consciousness is not a thing. If we are consciousness, then we are not the best way, in one sense, to say what we are is well, we're not this, we're not that. Hmm? I'm not American, I'm not Indian, I'm not black, or white, a Hindu, a Catholic, a theist, an atheist. Hmm? But I am. That's different. I'm not any of these things or any of these identities derived from identification with things. We've identified with the country, with the family, 
with a, maybe a religious system, a race, hmm? a gender. Hmm? That's one thing, and that's a thing. Hmm? I am this or I am that, but I am, that's different. Hmm? So there's a small I or a me. Hmm? Small, why I say small? Small means I'm American, I'm Indian, I'm black, white, these things. This is a very small I. It's small, and compared to I am, that's huge. It's small in a couple ways. One of the ways that it's small is it's small-minded. It's narrow-minded. Hmm? It creates divisions that are only born in, in the mind. For you it's hot, for me it's cold. Through the senses we get impressions, the mind makes determinations about them. This is good, this is bad, this is happy, this is sad. I like this, I don't like that. Hmm? And the small I is formed. I like this, I don't like this, I think this is good, I think this is bad. Hmm? But it's so small, and because, (laughs) well, first of all, it's relative to you alone. For me it may be hot, for you it may be cold. For you it may be good, for me it may be bad. So which is it? It's not getting at the big picture. Hmm? It's not because we have eyes we can see or ears that we can hear. They get in the way of our seeing and hearing. We are the seer. We are the hearer. We are the knower. And we are not the senses. We are not the mind. So that's a much bigger eye. And this small eye is small as I'm saying and also small, small-minded. Hmm? Because its very nature is, it is selfish. Hmm? It is a taker. The very I, the small I that I'm talking about, is a taker rather than a giver, in that way small. Hmm? Why is it a taker? Because as I've said, the very I, small I, is determined by our sense of my, is my country, my house, my family, my this, my that. There's an I that comes from that sense of my. What's the problem with that I? The problem is that nothing is really mine. <laughs> so, once we can nod our head, nothing is really mine. We have to follow it through and say, that I is false also, that derives from that. Hmm? This is the, the, the conventional ego, if you will. It's so it's small in that it doesn't see the whole picture. It sees hot or cold, and another sees the opposite, and so forth. In that way, it's small. And it's also small in a narrow-minded sense, in a, in a, in a, in a contracted sense. Hmm? It's small in an unbecoming sense. Hmm? It's not magnanimous. It's not generous. It's not a, a giver. Its whole existence is derived from taking, however gently we would like to do that. And it's better to take gently than others. Kind of. In some instance, I don't know what's worse. A blue-collar thief or a white-collar thief, they could take your whole, you know, the latter could take your whole bank account. (laughs) Right? And and steal your identity and so forth. So, hmm, yoga then is not for just... 
just adjusting the furniture. Hmm? The reason the, the health matters of the body and the mind, the reason the world matters and we approach it in a certain way, hmm? we don't approach it to find new resources just to fulfill desires. We, we approach it to find better ways to meet basic desires that are going to be part of even our life as a yogin. In other words, yogis have to eat too. Okay? You have to sleep. There are certain things that in order to, in our present condition, to arise out of it and move away from the small I, we have to nonetheless cater to that pertain to the small I in order to do so. So that means there's some way to work with desires, but let us kind of boil them down to those that are essential. Hmm? And then let us be concerned about our health of body and mind, concerned about the health of the world and so forth, if, if you will, because it matters in a general way, and in a larger way it matters because it matters to my practice, which really matters. Hmm? I said yoga is about that which matters, and it's us. We matter, ultimately. More than the world, more than the... If you have keep the body healthy for the purpose of doing yoga. Hmm? You understand? Which is directly about that which really matters, that which gives the value to all things. I've often said that if the world of things mattered independently of consciousness, who would know about it? Who would care? Do you understand? Matter matters because of us. <laughs> we matter. Hmm? Consciousness is the matterer. Hmm? Consciousness is the value. All value derives subjectively from consciousness and it's projected onto matter. Hmm? Hmm? Then we call it a this or we call it a that. Hmm? Same basic ingredients. Hmm? We define it in a certain way. It matters to us in a certain way. What really matters in all of this is us. Hmm? What power that is. What, what, how different we are than things. I mean, we are just categorically different. Hmm? How different, and it's not even, the comparison is not apt, it's not, it's not it, but what can you do? You're, you're limited by material examples. The difference between land and water. You know, if you're always on the land, and suddenly you, for the first time in your life, you come to the water, and you step down, and it goes down. <laughs> it's like, wow, that's different stuff. It, you know, it looks flat, right? just like the land, but you step in the water. How different is water from land? I mean, you can't even begin to talk about it, and it's just a material example. Hmm? It's so different. What you can do with water, you can water the land, hmm? and things will grow, and you can eat. I mean, it's incredible. Hmm? It's a combination of the two, obviously. But hmm? And 
It's different in its feel, it's different in its possibilities, a whole world of possibility, an oceanic world of possibilities opens up to you when you understand, just in brief, the difference between land and water. Hmm? And it's deep, let's say. Use the oceanic example. What kind of life goes on in there and so forth. Hmm? So some in the yoga schools, they really like penetrate on this idea that what is consciousness, what is matter, and they're so different that it just almost freezes them right there. Like, that is just a thought that I just can't go beyond. Consciousness is so different from matter, and I'm consciousness, not matter. And here I am preoccupied with things that don't really matter because I'm thinking about them in ways that distract me from the fact that I am what I am, what, what turns the whole show on, so to speak. Hmm? You know, like you have a television and you have the viewer, which is more important. I mean, it's just like, what can you say? Without the viewer, the television has absolutely no meaning. Even if somebody's on there talking. Hmm? The difference, from a metaphysical point of view, it's infinite. The difference is infinite. I'm giving some material examples just to help us, you know, think about it. What can you do? We have minds. We're conditioned by them. We, we like to be reasonable. So we're trying to think about and reason about something that transcends both of them. The physical, the mental, the intellectual is all transcended by ourself. Those are all small in comparison. What we can reason about, what we can think about. <laughs> we can think about things and how to combine them and so on and so forth. And That's basically what we do. <laughs> We think about things, and then we get some data, and then we hand them over to other people who do things with them, hmm? largely for the purpose of continuing our life as it is, and not improving it really, I wouldn't say in a categorically different way. Hmm? My guru once said that when he came to America, he said, it's not much difference. He said, I see in India they... They have a dog, he runs on four legs and barks, the male dog. It's after the female. And here they have four wheels, so like in the you know, late 50s, early 60s. And they drive on four wheels and blow the horn. It's the same thing, basically. All that energy, intelligence, to build a car just to blow the horn. I mean, they do, when, that's basically what it's about. <laughs> Like the whole, I mean, it's not like that now. When I was a kid, you know, something to get a, when you turn 16, that was it. That was the coolest thing. You got your driver's license, you know. And then you could go out and whatever, you know, blow your horn. You find, find a mate, basically, you know, it was a, your chance there. <laughs> so, all that, just for, you know, all that energy and use it, collect the data and then the technology and for that. The dogs are doing it much, just a little barking, and it works pretty good. Um, so, mm, no, uh, we have to move in relation to the world, but we should move in relation to the world such that it causes movement within, a change within, hmm? and the possibility hmm, to experience the implications of the fact that I'm an experiencer, hmm? rather than a non-experiencing reality. Hmm? 
I was asked, what's the, what's, the, what's the most profound experience you've had, Swami? I said, the fact that I experience it all. That's profound. That could stop you right there. What about that? Wow, that's just like so much to think about. It kind of like can short-circuit your thinking, which is good. Hmm? And just sit and try to, whatever. You can you can try to like only understand it theoretically enough with your reasoning power that you will be forced to turn to something, some some something that transcends the limits of reasoning by which you might go there. Hmm? Use your head, in other words, to what? To soften your heart. The head is not the way for going there. Hmm? To not think offers an opportunity for, opens a window for knowing that far exceeds what we could know by thinking. Hmm? Just like I said, it's not because we have eyes we see or ears we hear, and it's not because we, we have thoughts that we know. Hmm? After all, our thoughts are primarily preoccupied with things. How to get them and how to get rid of them. After they turned out to be less than what we thought they would be. Hmm? So a mind so preoccupied with things, said in the Gita, the mind is the friend of the yogi, and enemy as well. Depends. If the mind is only filled with thoughts of things, then it's not very useful. But if it's harnessed, as really yoga is about to harness the mind and the senses that the body is made up of, and then move in the world, it's like a tortoise. How does the tortoise move it? It's like, kind of like this kind of hangs inside when it needs something, reaches out, then goes back, reaches out, goes back. So we need something to eat, reach out, do yoga. We need some, some companionship, find another yogi. <laughs> Let's talk, keep good company, something like this. In hmm? uh, bhakti yoga, our school is particularly friendly in this regard, I would say, as you can see. I mean, one of the, you know, like Ashtanga Yoga was popular, for example. It has its angas, its limbs, its yama, niyama, asana, pranayama, prachahar, dharana, dhyana, samadhi. And these are the limbs. So bhakti has its limbs also. Shravanam, kirtanam, smaranam, for example. Hearing, that's easy. See, bhakti is very friendly, user-friendly. Hearing. If you want to experience taste with your tongue, you have to move it. If you want to smell, you, 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 you have to inhale. Hmm? If you want to experience with your tactile sense, you, know, you have to re- t- reach out, touch something. Hmm? Yeah? Your eyes, you have to open them, at least. But the ears, they're just sitting there. <laughs> right? You don't open your ears. You, you, can't, you don't close your ears. So, it says, hmm? That we come in the company of sadhus who are engaged in bhakti, they have a preoccupation. Hmm? 
This is Krishna speaking. You're all familiar with Krishna, a very colorful figure. Hmm? Of all of the, the different gods and goddesses in Hinduism, of which there are said to be like, I don't know, 33 million, I think is the, is the, is the last count. Uh, um, they're very interesting to study them and how they are depicted in art hmm? and in drama and sung about and so forth. Um, they all obviously they mean something, how the way they're depicted. Most of them speak about powerful aspects of the natural world. These are gods and goddesses with a small g, if you will, that are embedded in the natural world. Hmm? And they appear in our mind in conjunction with the sacred texts and so forth hmm? to be thought of as powers of the natural world that we are dependent upon in our everyday lives. For example, to see we're dependent upon, well, light, right? So the sun, in a sense, presides over our sense of sight. Hmm? And so the thought is, just like in a Native American sensibility, we should honor the sun. So, you know, Surya Namaskar. Hmm? Some of you may be familiar with that. You know, to, to venerate the sun and there's a posture and so forth. Hmm? So it's uh, acknowledging these powers of nature as a way of like living with gratitude and seeing a bigger picture that I'm a dependent entity. Hmm? In order for me to see, I'm dependent on something in nature. So I should show some regard, some, some gratitude and so forth. Hmm? But the difference between these gods and goddesses and Shiva, Vishnu, Krishna, these are three names. I'll speak a little bit about them. The difference is that all the gods and goddesses are dependent upon nature. They are powers of nature, but they're embedded in nature and dependent on nature for their being. Hmm? And the god with the capital G, the difference is nature is dependent upon on that. So the movement of consciousness of the, of the of the world is dependent upon consciousness and so the whole natural world is dependent upon consciousness and god in the big g sense then is not a form constrained like i said earlier confined by time and space hmm? but nonetheless it should have a shape. That's a curious idea. How we will... Just like love. Love. It has a shape. It takes a form. Hmm? It has... It, it's, it's a verb to love. So it, it expresses itself. Hmm? It has to have some kind of a shape. I'm just trying to... It's a very abstract idea how there can be form that is not constrained by time and space. That's a very peculiar, a trans-temporal, trans-spatial space and time. Hmm? 
how is that possible? <laughs> and this is what we're talking about when we talk about Shiva, Vishnu, Krishna. Hmm? Shiva means, Shiva really, the implication of the name Shiva, why it's differentiated from Indra and Brahma and Kali and so forth, is that Shiva means consciousness. It implies consciousness. And as, I, as we've been saying from the start, consciousness is different from matter. So it's not constrained by time and space, and it's, well, kind of everywhere. Hmm? Right? Wherever you go, <laughs> there you are. Right? And you are consciousness. Hmm? So Vishnu means all, means all pervasive hmm? and all-knowing. Omniscience and omnipresence. So the Godhead must be consciousness, not constrained by time and space, and the implications of that would be what? All-pervading and all-knowing. And so being consciousness, sat, knowing, chit, sat, chit. What's the next one? Ananda, being, knowing, loving, hmm? Ananda. Hmm? Shiva, Vishnu, hmm? they in a sense represent these different aspects, being, eternal being. Shiva is depicted as doing meditation, he's wearing ashes, means you got to wear something, but let's not get too involved in it. Like I said earlier, even the yogi needs something, but <laughs> ashes are warm, you know, from the fire. There you go. Living in the Himalayas, you need a little warmth. Hmm? And he's not preoccupied with the yoga fashion world, <laughs> if you will. Hmm? So, uh, but he's meditating. That so he's still he's not moving so because his he's hasn't got desires other than others are essential and he tends to them in a minimalistic way for sitting hmm? so he's dwelling in being and it's pretty cool that I am as I said earlier and that I'm not this or that because all those things are threatened with non-existence from their inception and the threat is not idle. Hmm? You follow me? Everything that is here today will be gone tomorrow, if not tonight. Hmm? Everything, all things. Hmm? To know that I am not a thing, I mean to know it, to know it theoretically, should, in good company, hearing theoretically from someone who has experience, should be compelling, hmm? such that we take up some practices that might help us experience that. And what will be the experience that I am? I mean, realizing that I am, how, what a relief this will be. Can you imagine? It will be the end of all fear, all anxiety, hmm? all worry, hmm? of all sorts. Hmm? It end all economic problems, all political problems. Hmm? All, it's real factual. Hmm? 
You may say, well, yeah, but is everybody going to be a yogi? No, but <laughs> you could. <laughs> well, want to make the world a better place. You're part of the world. Hmm? Stop being this or that and be. Hmm? And there's some happiness in being. Whew, it's a big relief. I'm not going to not be at some point. I don't have to be busy hoping that doesn't happen sooner. <laughs> and maybe hoping it just doesn't happen to me somehow or other. Although it's happening all around me and I ignore it. Even on the windshield on the way here. It's happening. They're dying. Hmm. And I read about it in the papers and you know, and there are wars and so forth. But, but I don't really get it. Hmm. It's talking to you, to me, to us. You're dying. You're part of this. The whole place is a war, plane of war, if you will. It's a plane of taking. The I, as I said earlier, the I am this or that, is derived from taking. So we're at war. We're having a tug of war for things. Hmm? So to be free from that. Oh, Shiva, he's, he's pretty plus, blissful in that sense. He loves to be. Hmm? And then you go, Vishnu, Vishnu is for knowing. I mean, they all be, they both be, they both know, but the knowing and the being are slightly different. Hmm? Omniscience, the Ishwar of Yoga Sutra of Patanjali, that is Vishnu. Ishwar Pranidhan, he recommends. Hmm? Subservience to the Ishwar. Hmm? If you study the historical context, then you can understand the word in Yoga Sutra used by Patanjali Ishwar hmm, refers to Vishnu. Hmm? So he's the he's the, therefore Krishna Namacharya, for example, the guru of Patabi Joyce and Ayingar. He said, "The goal of yoga is Vaikuntham. What is Vaikuntham? Vaikuntham is a is a is a realm in the subjective world." What's a subjective world? Well, I said earlier, we are a unit of consciousness, like a spark of a fire of consciousness. And we're kind of like going out, or so it appears, because we're in relation to things. Hmm? The objective world. Hmm? And we feel limited by the limitations of the objective world, because we are really not part of the objective world. Hmm? In human life, this, the fact that we're consciousness comes to the fore, and we kind of feel an uncomfortable in our skin. Hmm? Because in human life, we start to think about, I am. That's weird. Hmm? We're animals too, but we're a different animal because we think, I am. That's weird. That's a problem. You've got these why questions. Why am I? Why am I suffering? Why in that animal's lower or less complex forms of life, the why question doesn't arise. Only how. How to eat, how to sleep, how to find a mate. Hmm? Our cow the other day, Mongola, was she looking for a bull. Hmm? Where, <laughs> how to find a bull. So, how questions. But suddenly we come to human life, and there's this really troublesome why. It's of a different character. It's a quality question. You understand? Why? The how questions, they're answered by nature because they're about moving within nature. 
how to eat. That's a, nature can answer that question. It pertains to the, to the, your, the objective side of yourself that's made up of the natural constituents. Hmm? How to mate, how to protect yourself. Hmm? These are questions that the world, the objective world can answer. Why? She can't answer that. Hmm? The world of things can't answer the why question. That's a value question. And value, as we said earlier, derives from consciousness. So consciousness has to answer that. That's the whole idea of the sacred texts. They're called revealed. Hmm? They're coming from the world of consciousness. And they're addressing the why question that arises in human life. What makes us different from the animals is, the, is, is really pursuing the why question. I said yoga was about a value-oriented life. Value means why. Understand quality, why. Purpose, meaning. Why is for meaning, purpose, quality. Hmm? This is what consciousness is all about. This is what we are all about. We matter. Hmm? Again, hmm? yoga is for this, for being in a way that you will always be, in the way that you are. Hmm? It corresponds with I am, not with I am this or that. And knowing. What is the knowing of yoga? Hmm? It's, a, it's, a, it's all knowing. Then you ask him a question and the yogi doesn't know the answer. You say, what do you mean he doesn't know it? He knows everything. He knows, she knows everything. And she's humbled by that. It's a different kind of knowing, a quality of knowing. Hmm? What is the purpose of knowledge? Of knowledge. <laughs> we acquire knowledge in order to act, having been informed by knowledge, to act in accordance with the knowledge in such a way that we can be happy. There's a, there's a goal in all of this. Hmm? Yeah. So a, kind, a, qu- a quality of knowing, a knowing by which hmm, other questions are retired as wrong question, wrong question. Hmm? The knowledge, in other words, of the world about how to do this and that has nothing to do with what I am hmm? as a unit of consciousness. So it's the wrong question. It won't satisfy you. The knowledge of that won't fulfill. It won't, it won't, it won't enable you to sit peacefully hmm? with no wants. Hmm? And know, hmm? knowing, but being, knowing. What I'm saying here is that in the full spectrum of yoga, there's yoga for being and loving to be. There's yoga for knowing and loving to know. Hmm? And knowing means, you see, if my yoga is for being. Sat. There will be knowing, and there will be there will be chit, and there will be ananda, but the quality of it will be different than if my yoga is for knowing. And if my yoga is for loving, similarly, the nature of the being and the nature of the knowing will have a different character. Let me explain. Hmm? 
if my yoga is for being, good idea. Hmm? To be or not to be. To be, is, that is the answer. <laughs> and to be forever. Hmm? Hmm? And that would make me happy. Hmm? Hmm? Not to be like I am forever, hmm? but to be what I am. Hmm? And forever. A unit of eternity. Hmm? So to know that to know that I am hmm, is what is the nature of that knowing in eternal being? If being is the goal, then the knowing is I know that I'm not this and I know that I'm not that and I know that I don't die and I know and that is a lot of knowing. Hmm? And what is the loving in that? In the yoga of being, if you will. It's just I love to be. I'm loving being in compared in comparison to well being chased all the time. I took from the world and then it chased me. That's karma. Right? I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Hmm? Troublesome. I said it's like a tug of war. I was at war. Now Shanti, 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 I've got peace. I love peace. I love peace. So this is the nature of the being. In being, there's, there's eternal loving and knowing. But I'm explaining the quality of it. The knowing is, I know I'm not this, I know I'm not that, I know I am. And, I, and I'm liking it. It's, it's a great relief. It's like if you found out that you had cancer, and then you found out the next day, oh, it was somebody else's, you know, chart. It wasn't yours. And it's a big relief to you. Oh, of course. <laughs> it's not thinking too deeply. Somebody else has got it. But anyway, I'm just giving an example. You get a relief. Whew. Relief is a form of happiness, if you will. It's kind of half happiness. Hmm? One who is focused on eternal being knows that Taking is not a good idea. He or she stops taking. Taking is half the face of loving. So there's some love there. You know what I'm saying? Don't take. I don't take. Does that mean you love? <laughs> kind of. But there's a little more to it than that. But, but that's a big step. Hmm? So some forms of yoga are focused on being. Some forms are based on knowing. Now, one of the things about being, the yoga focused on being, is that you be, and you'll be alone. Hmm? In being, there's no other. Hmm? The knowing is in relation to the idea that there is, I know that the differences of the world are false. The hots, the colds, the happies, the sads, the Americans and the whatever, the cowboys, the Indians, the Confederates, the Yankees, all these, these are all false. Hmm? When you do away with all the variety, hmm, well, then you're alone. There's no difference. There's nobody to be different. So in being, you're alone. Now in knowing, hmm? This is Patanjali's system. This is Ashtanga Yoga. The being is Jnana Yoga. But Ashtanga Yoga is different. Slightly different. I said in the beginning, there are many branches, they have a lot in common. Hmm? 
Now we're talking about some of the differences, and uh, we can entertain them, and, and we can uh, identify with one or the other. Hmm? In yoga, marga, vastanga yoga, of potentially knowing is the samadhi, om- omniscience. Hmm? That's a good idea to know everything. I mean, to, to know. I mean, in a, in a comprehensive sense, knowing, knowing, however, implies there's something to be known. So there is another. Hmm? In Yoga Sutra, Patanjali, the Ishwara that's mentioned, who it's recommended three, four times, the best way to concentrate your mind is Ishwar Pranidhan. There may be other ways, but the best way is Ishwar Pranidhan. Pranidhan means submit to Ishwar. Hmm? It means that there's a there's there's a yoga Ishwar. Ishwar means like the master of yoga. Hmm? So it means like I'm a spark, and there's a fire, and I could know the fire, and I know that I'm qualitatively like the fire. So I'm fire, but I'm not fire, because with fire, you can cook and heat, but with a spark, good luck on that. It's fire, but you can't cook, you can't heat, but it's pretty neat. Hmm? So. The idea in in Ashtanga Yoga, ultimately, is that there's me, I am this Atma, self, and there's a Paramatma. Vishnu is the Paramatma. Param means like Supreme Atma. Hmm? And so there's a knowing, and a kind of like the end of this yoga. is a, It's like a, to use a Catholic term, a beatific vision, to sit Shanta in Rasa. Rasa means like to have rapport, hmm? aesthetic rapport with our source, hmm? to become, to, 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 so like to sit, shanta peacefully, knowing in relation to being in the presence of the all-knowing. What, what else do I need to know? Something like that. So, there's obviously, in a knowing, in a, in a yoga where knowing is the goal, being has to be included. You can't know and not be. So being is there. All that's there in the being is there. But the knowing, as I said, has a, now has a different character. It's not the knowing that I'm not this or not that. That's included. But I'm knowing there's another. I'm knowing there's another. In being... I love being, and I love being me. I love being I am. It's way better than being thinking I'm this or that. So there's, it's called Atmananda, the Ananda of the Atma, or Brahmananda. Hmm? But now, just as the knowing is different in Yoga Sutra, it's knowing another. It's knowing what I'm not, but it's also knowing there's another is my source. Some slight difference is coming. The difference is not getting in the way of the unity, because it's a loving difference. After all, it is said, bride is the spice of life. Hmm? So differentiation doesn't have to be a problem. It's the problem, materially speaking, because it's a, it's a false differentiation. It's a false mentally 
constructed differences that I'm Israeli or I'm Palestinian. These are constructed mental constructs only. Hmm? That's why it's a problem. Hmm? But they're as a unit of subjectivity of consciousness. Hmm? I'm part of a whole world of subjectivity. To use my example earlier of land and water. I mean, okay, now you just stepped in the ocean. What possibilities lie there? Hmm? We think, sometimes we think, material world's got all these things going on, and then the spiritual side is just like quiet. It's quiet to the noise of the material world, which is really like everybody's playing a different tune. <laughs> it's a problem. Hmm? It's quiet in that sense, but the full spectrum of the subjective world brings in in connection with a concert. There are many sounds and many instruments, hmm? but they're all playing in concert, if you will, harmonious. So there's a possibility hmm, now of differentiation that doesn't compromise unity. We were kind of doing, trying to do away with the differentiation. I'm Indian, I'm American, Todd, it's cold. All this is contrived. We arrived at a kind of a oneness, a unity, quiet. I be, I am. Whew. Is there anybody up here with me or something? You know, you're alone, but it's okay. But we're talking about going deeper in that ocean of consciousness. And we find, hey, there's fish in here. Hmm? Now, it's not the best example, but they're different than the mammals. You know, they breathe underwater and stuff. I guess there's some mammals there too, but uh, analogies only go so far, but they're different. Like you can't take the dog and you can't live in the bottom of the ocean, but the fish can't do that. It's a different kind of form. Hmm? So they're shapes. Shape of love. Hmm? Knowledge takes a shape in the form of Vishnu. Hmm? Now we go from the being yoga to the knowing yoga, to the loving yoga. Hmm? If, if loving is your goal, hmm? makes sense. Not hard to convince people of this. Huh? What's better, to love to exist or to exist to love? You are noble people, I know what you'll choose. Hmm? It, your answer speaks about the nature of your very being. Hmm? Your, your just intuitive answer yes it's better to love to, to, to exist to love than to love to exist that's a more complete idea it speaks more about what I am hmm? Hmm? I'm a unit of sat I'm a unit of chit and I'm a unit of ananda and the sat and the chit has a purpose and the purpose is ananda the purpose is to love I should be and I should know for loving. Hmm? Hmm? That is the biggest that I can be. The small I was very mean and small. The I am, we're making it bigger. Hmm? It's already big compared to the small I. But the more we go in the direction of loving, the bigger it becomes. Hmm? If my loving is, I love to be free from suffering, it's something. Hmm? 
lacks positive content at the same time. You follow me? Hmm? So bhakti is about this. Hmm? And therefore we come to Krishna, that idea. Hmm? Uh, Krishna is depicted in art as doing what? Nothing. And everything. Playing only. Only playing. Hmm? No weapons. Hmm? And in the fullest sense, Krishna is depicted as with some unknowing. Wait a minute, we're going backwards, it would seem, but bear with me. Some unknowing, hmm? unknowing love in the full expression has a kind of unknowing in it because of the nature of the adventure. I don't know. Sometimes she says, do you love me? Of course I do. Well, you never say so. There's this like, you know, I mean, there's, there's some uncertainty in love that, that we're, we're certain we, we can't do without. It's an excitement. It's, a, it's an adventure. They said, love moves in a crooked way. She loves me, she loves me not. You don't want to get in between two people having a lover's quarrel, right? It's not a good idea. Love sometimes takes that shape. Hmm? I hate you. I hate you. You only say that about someone that you really attach to. Otherwise, you don't care. I hate you. That's how much I love you, that I hate you. I'm just using a material example. But it it has so many different shapes, forms that it takes. It's an adventure. It's not just sitting and knowing. There's another, and I feel comfortable in his presence. He's all-knowing. There's nothing I need to know. Hmm? Now we're moving. And we're moving. Krishna is, Vishnu is sitting. Hmm? And knowing. And Krishna is dancing. Never stops moving. Hmm? Has no weapons. Not meditating. Hmm? Just playing. The implication is this, of course. What? That in order to play, you have to have some power. I give you an example. If you want to take a vacation, you have to have some money in the bank. You have to have some time off. That's power. Hmm? So the God, with a capital G, excuse me, that's depicted as only playing, this is all powerful. Hmm? What is the power? The power to be an Ishwar. Shiva's an Ishwar of being. Vishnu is Ishwar of knowing. Krishna Ishwar of loving, controlling by loving. Hmm? This is most beautiful. If I control you by love, it's most beautiful because then you will control me. Hmm? There's no problem, nothing to fear here. Hmm? In control by love. So this is Krishna, this idea. Hmm? And in the loving, where Ananda is the focus. We have the being, the knowing, the loving. And these these are all kind of faces of the Absolute. They all transcend all the smallness of the world. They're all about consciousness. It is. It's cognizant. It's the knower. Like I said, it's not because we think we know, but we are the knower. Hmm? And we are the experiencer. Matter is not. We're experiencing feelings, qualities, happiness, love. I like this, I don't like that. Hmm? So being, knowing, loving, 
This is the nature of the Godhead. And we are of the same nature. Hmm? We're just a small sample of that. Hmm? And so by yoga, by which hmm, we come in touch, with our goal is a loving, this loving feature of the Absolute. Hmm? This is called Bhakti Yoga. Hmm? And typically, typically, the, the deity is, is Krishna. Because it's called Vishnu Bhakti, Krishna Bhakti. Hmm? Yeah, just like Kirtan, we did Kirtan, the singing. You know, I mean, it's, everybody does it these days, whether you're yoga this or that or whatever. But I just, I, I, I did explain to you briefly that the angas of Ashtanga Yoga, you didn't find kirtan in there as one of the practices. It's not enjoined, for example, in the Yoga Sutra. That you know, that I'm speak. I'm a little bit classical, you know, traditional, but modern too. But uh, in the classical text. You know, we Americans like to be entrepreneurs and make everything better. Not enough if we do all the time. But so, so, in the classical text, yoga, Ashtanga yoga, is not about kirtan. Hmm? But in, but it is central to bhakti. I said, hearing the ears, bhakti is very easy. Hmm? Even without wanting to do it, you can do it. The hearing, the chanting, hmm? and then the chanting. Hmm? That's very easy too. We naturally sing about the things we like. We hear a song, we, th- we kind of think about it in relation to something in our own life, make meaning out of it. Then we sing it hmm? in the shower hmm? where it echoes and we sound better. Hmm? So, so, it, so it's very, very, this is our natural, in our natural sensually oriented life, we do these things. The being yoga the knowing yoga kind of advise us to be less emotional and not involved with the senses, which are the portals by which we enter into the world and become ensnared in it and so forth. But here's a system of yoga where you can use the senses, which we do anyway. Use the senses to hear the kirtan, hmm? and to speak the kirtan. This is a form of kirtan, this kind of prachar. Hmm? And you're hearing, it's not too hard, and I'm learning something too, thanks to you being here. Hmm? And so, if you look at the whole system of bhakti, it includes all types of things that we normally do with our senses, hmm? the way to do them, and in the consciousness for hmm? the loving feature of the Absolute depicted as he is, as Krishna. And there we find there is loving is the center. Hmm? And then there's knowing and being also. But Krishna is depicted to be in a place that's insignificant, a little village. Hmm? Not like some like kingdom of a god and there's the throne and and doo-doo-doo, there are trumpets, here comes God and something like that, you know. And <laughs> no, simple, rural village, his crown is a peacock's feather that's fallen on the ground. Hmm? His ornaments are the different colors of the clay and he marks himself and so with his friends and so forth. And who are all these people? And you know, all the variety suddenly. Remember being was alone, knowing was knowing there's another hmm? and he knows everything. Pretty comforting to be 
in that company forever. Now, as we go to loving, naturally, there has to be more variety because variety is the spice of life, difference. Hmm? Love is full of so many nuances and so forth. So the Leela, Leela of Krishna, now, now the Godhead, who is being, knowing, and loving, has Leela. You know the term? Leela means to play. It's, it means, it's full of movement. Karma is a kind of movement, but the more we move, we go down. Hmm? I said if we move according to desires, it's hard to sit. Right? No desires, you can sit peacefully. Hmm? But now we're talking about moving. But this is a different kind of moving. There's a kind of moving that arises out of necessity, of feeling want and something lacking, so I try to get things. That's karma, not a good idea. There's a peace that comes in between, stop that movement, and now there's a love. But there's a love, love is a movement, but this is a different kind of movement, a movement out of fullness. I'm so full I'm, that I have to move. Like this, Hari, <laughs> and dance. Krishna is the Nietzsche's God who said, if there was one, he'd be a dancer. Hmm? There is. Dancing, moving, and variety. Hmm? Leela. They look similar if you depict them on in, the movements, but the, the nature of the movement is different. It's movement within a trans-temporal, a trans-spatial realm, the subjective world. It's a big world, like the ocean, I said. So much variety there. The objective world comes out of it. It's like a shadow. It's so small in comparison, so narrow. The possibilities of, of being a unit of consciousness, entering into the subjective world. There, there can be forms that are not limited by time and space. Hmm? It's an interesting concept. Forms facilitate, after all. They don't always limit. Without the cup, which is a form, I would be limited in my capacity to drink the water. Hmm? We think of forms as limitations, but I'm just giving an example how forms can be facilitating and take us beyond limitations. Hmm? So the subjective world, there's movement. Hmm? That movement is Leela, and that is fueled by love. Hmm? And it necessitates others. Hmm? So there, the yogin in bhakti wants to enter into the lila. What is lila? We said that God it is all-knowing, omniscient, and omnipresent. Vishnu. That's pretty cool. But theologically speaking, it's a problem. Hmm? If you know everything, and you're everywhere, there's nowhere to go and there's nothing to do. I'm already everywhere. So I can't move. I know everything. So I also can't do anything because I already know what's going to happen. So therefore, that's why Vishnu is typically still. In the heart. All-knowing. A witness. What does a witness do? I'm a witness. I saw it. Not much movement, but there. Hmm? But love requires so much movement. Hmm? Hmm? And all the movement, all the variety, all the enhances the unity. Love is a unity and a difference at the same time. Two become 
one in love, you and I become we. It's not that you disappeared or I disappeared, but how can there be how can there be two that become one and remain two? The answer is don't try to think about it. We experience it, we can't explain it. Love knows no reason. It transcends reason. Hmm? So in bhakti yoga, loving, there's movement. Why is there movement? Because there's a problem with omniscience and there's a problem with omnipresence. It's boring. There's no nowhere to go. There's nothing to do. I'm trying to give some explanation. So what do you do if you're bored? Then you play. So Leela means at Vishnu, Bhagwan. He playing. Hmm? In playing, then there's some pretense, but you do it really good, it becomes real. If you, in other words, if you enter, let's say you're an actor, if you really play the part, you actually take on the, the characteristics of the, of the, of the role, the, the person who, whose role you're playing. Hmm? So the idea of Leela, depicted in art, Krishna with the cows and milkmaidens and so on and so forth, in the pastures and so forth, in the forests. Hmm? This means in the subjective world, deep in the bottom of the ocean of all this, the God that is playing, why is he playing? Hmm? Because I said omniscience and omnipresence is a problem, but if you, and then if you play, you have to play with somebody. Hmm? So who will we play with? Hmm? So there's a place for us there. Hmm? If God has a place for playing, then there's a place for us to participate. We could participate and know you're there, everything's cool. Or you could <laughs> play with the Godhead. And, and what does play mean? If you're going to play, if we're going to play, then we have to be kind of equals, so to speak. We have to be, I can't be like up on a throne and play with you. If I was to say to you, it's not a good example. I, I, I'll, I'm not. But I, if I was to say I'm God, and you were foolish enough to believe it, hmm, then you might say, "Oh my God," and then you just move back. It's God is there. Oh my God! You can't play with this kind of reverential sensibilities. So, if there's to be intimacy between the spark and the fire, there has to be create. There has to be a situation where the where the the godhood of the Godhead is suppressed. Hmm? And the Godhead takes on a finite-like appearance hmm? for the sake of intimacy. If the infinite and the finite are to meet in intimacy, the infinite is going to have to take on a finite-like appearance, otherwise... Its infiniteness will make me feel as finite as I am. Hmm? So this is the idea of Christian leader. That's what's being talked about in these, uh, described in the art and so forth, and the literature. Deep within the subjective world, those yogins interested in love with the absolute, the ananda, hmm? they enter into a plane of intimacy in Leela with the Godhead hmm? and the knowing there and the being there 
is in one sense diminished, the being. In other words, I give an example, if you love someone, then you could live in the, under a stone if you're with them. Hmm? What is that plane of your existence? It doesn't matter. You're just there. I'm, I'm in the, inside of a hollow of a tree. Everything's great. Hmm? So the being is, is, is diminished. That's why they, the plane is depicted as being simple, rural, hmm? uh, so forth. Hmm? And the knowing. Hmm? In love, there's a kind of knowing. I know I love you, and that's all I need to know. Hmm? And, that's, and I don't need any other knowledge. And I'm completely satisfied with that. And there may be all kinds of interesting things to know, but they have no interest to me. To me. Hmm? So the people, we have the devotees in the Leela, they're depicted as kind of unknowing. They don't know the Bhagavad Gita. They don't know the Upanishads. They don't know. They just love Krishna. Hmm? Of course, if you look deep on the set, they understand it pretty well. They have to have figured that gone there. But the plane is a kind of unknowing. And Krishna is kind of in it. The Godhead is unknowing there. He's wondering, does Radha love me or not? And he'll ask his friends in Leela, she loves me, she loves me not. They'll say, hey, she loves you, don't worry. Hmm? This is Krishna, very peculiar. Hmm? But this is, I want to say to you that, that there is more knowing, a greater knowing, and a greater being in loving, even when they appear, the being and the knowing, to be diminished by the love. Hmm? A loving existence and the knowing in loving are really the fullest existence and the most comprehensive knowing. Hmm? So if yoga is a value-added lifestyle and so forth, my experience is, and my conviction is, that the value... Hmm? that we are a unit of, of consciousness, hmm? realizes its fullest, what matters most, what it's most about, can be its full, can most fully expressed in the yoga of, of love. Thank you. Any question? How does one move towards being desireless? Uh, I think it's uh, <clears throat> easier to think of you know, I don't need to have a big house I don't need to have two cars I don't need to have fancy clothes I don't need all the kind of materialistic things um, but at a more fundamental level I think having uh, desires for companionship desires for intimacy um, how do you modify, attenuate those desires? Yeah, that's a good question. They're material too. They're just more subtle. And they all have to do with the ego, the sense that I am this or that, therefore I need a companion. It's based on my material conditioning and so forth, but it's at a much more closer kind of level than two cars and you know, fancy house and so forth which is equated with materialism, but in a broader sense, of course, materialism is our whole 
sense that we need something in order to be full. Hmm? And so another thing, another, you know, a lady thing or something like that, or whatever. But it's, it's a much closer to us, and it's more of an essential kind of a needing that we might have or desire that we might have that um, is... Um, so, you know, how is there... You're kind of asking, is there a place for that, or how do we, you know, do that and not have that be, you know, counterproductive or a distraction and so on and so forth. And Well, there's a couple of ways to answer that, and, 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 and very, uh, in a classical sense, in the yoga of being, jnana, in the yoga of astanga, you may know there is no place for relationship. That's why, for example, one of the, one of the yamas, or sort of niyama, of astanga yoga is brahmacharya. Now, you can translate it in all kinds of fancy ways, but it means celibacy. And so, relationships are usually not about celibacy. Um, they may be more in that direction than some. But, uh, um, classically speaking, that kind of yoga is probably not... Um, to do it by the book, one in which one has to have passed through, so to speak, the necessity for relationship, which could be done through, for, for example, for, through karma yoga. So through karma yoga, karma yoga is a kind of yoga where you have a material identity, and then you do the things that you do, but you, you attach yourself to doing the things that you do purposefully in pursuit of your ideal without being attachment your ideal being transcendence without being attached to the fruits and you you kind of it's hard to do you know you, you, you do it because it should be done and whatever the result is it's uh, yeah you're not doing it for the result which is sometimes good sometimes bad which makes you go up and go down and ride this roller coaster and so you become evened out so to speak and peaceful and then you're doing things that pertain to your material identity, like having a relationship and, you know, a few other things and so forth. I don't want much, but something, you know. Kind of so there's a system, if you will, in the classical sense of this karma yoga, whereby gradually by detaching yourself from the fruits of your efforts, you you, you get this equibalance. And there's an ingress of wisdom, hmm? And then the necessities for such things passes. Hmm? And then you can enter into Gyan Yoga or Astanga Yoga. That's the classical sense. But that said, hmm, there's another course hmm, that's very helpful. And that's Bhakti. Because in Bhakti, one of the Angas is not Brahmacharya. And as I said, it was very user-friendly. Hmm? So, in Bhakti... Love of Krishna, for example, is the center. Hmm? But as I mentioned, deep within the subjective world, there are others. So everyone is centered on Krishna. But then the question might arise, well, how do they relate to one another in the Leela? Hmm? So the answer is that they, that they love one another in such a way that it enhances their love for the center. So in Bhakti... For example, there are many examples of great bhaktas 
who are in relationships. Hmm? Who, some of the great, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, Krishna's in a relationship. <laughs> so what do you want? You know, Krishna's in a relationship. He's found his soulmate in, in, in Radha. So, so there's a big place for having a relationship. The idea is that that you enter into the relationship with the idea in mind that the main reason you and I are entering into this relationship is to foster a a relationship with with the absolute. There's a relative. We can combine the relative, adjust the relative in such a way that it facilitates the absolute. So um, let's say... You know, which is a good idea. You have a guru, so you know you love your guru. Your wife loves the guru in, in appropriate ways more than you love one another, something like that. Hmm? In other words, you, you see that the reason there's a there's a reason that we have a relationship. Part of the reason is we are what we are, hmm? and and we have those necessities. The other reason is we we, we agree to to facilitate one another in, a, in what we both want to be, hmm? which is more than what we are. And so you kind of look for, you know, in the context of a relationship, a partner that's going to be equally interested in the same subject that will perhaps even facilitate and enhance your capacity to get involved because you may be the kind of person that without a relationship you just feel off balance. Just feel off, so it gets in the way of your practice, and being off balance. So this is what you're saying: Are there? I need some things, and then I can feel comfortable materially to do my practice. So this is one way to think about, for example, relationships. I think, and, and with all those necessities, I mean, it's the same thing. You got to eat, right? So, well, there's a way to eating. I mean, typically vegetarianism is you know is a diet for. For yoga, hmm? so you moderate or modify, I should say, those desires in ways that they don't negatively impact your prog- your progress and your pursuit, and maybe, given your nature, they even facilitate and enhance it in a, in a relative sense. I mean, that's a general answer, but uh, and you're probably already doing that to some extent. But I mean, that that's that's. You, and of course, good company, sadhus, and so forth. This will will help us to become attached to the ideals, and and, and um, but like-minded persons very important. So, with regard to relationships, that help. What else? I talk for. Quite a while, so forgive me for so it's a challenge to present so many ideas that come to me. But uh, I do appreciate your 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 listening and and the opportunity to to come. Thank you very much.